Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Seth. And I'm Zach. And we are the Classic Gaming Brothers. Yeah, that's right. We are the Classic Gaming Brothers. Happy Thanksgiving? Uh, no. Almost. Oh, okay. Almost. Today is Life Day, though. Ah, yes. Happy Life Day. Not like the release of this episode, but the recording of this episode, Seth, is Life Day. Oh, okay. The the holiday from the Star Wars holiday special. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. What have you been up to? What have you been playing? Well, Seth, recently I've been playing Age of Empires 4. Oh, fun. Uh, so Age of Empires is a real-time strategy game, or RTS. I'm a big fan of the series. The The series has been going on since the 90s, and I play a lot of Age of Empires 2 with my friends. But the new game, Age of Empires 4, came out in October of this year, 2021. It was developed by Relic Entertainment and World's Edge as a kind of a joint venture, and published by Xbox Game Studios. The game is, I would call, really a return to form for the RTS genre. It really feels like you're playing classic Age of Empires just with updated graphics. So far I've only played the prologue slash tutorial. Uh, I didn't think I would need to so I tried to skip it but I couldn't find a way to skip it so I think you're just kind of forced to play the tutorial but the tutorial goes over the basics of the game which if you've ever played an Age of Empires game or a real-time strategy game you're most likely familiar with the basic formula. Uh, you have to construct a base and then attack an enemy base while maintaining your resources and managing your resources. Right, um, and certain units are better versus other type of units. This tutorial will actually teach you, oh, if you're going against archers, you might want to use cavalry versus slow-moving soldiers who will get killed by the archers. Right. So it does kind of give you some basic gameplay advice, stuff that you could most likely figure out if you're familiar with the franchise or the genre. But if you're not, if you're a newcomer to the genre, which considering there haven't been a lot of traditional real-time strategy games of this nature in the recent years there probably is going to be a lot of new fans i definitely think having this tutorial is a helpful and beneficial element i will say that uh, again i've only played through the tutorial i played through part of it today so i haven't really gotten to the actual campaign but i do like what i've been playing so far so i'm definitely excited to get back into it again i also haven't officially bought the game yet i've been playing it on game pass so and for those who don't know game pass is a subscription service where you can get games every month or so that you can just play i was gifted some time in game pass from a friend of mine so i'm kind of just messing around in it while i have it if you're interested in real-time strategy games you know check out age of empires 4 if you don't really want to pay full price for the game again it just came out so it is a uh, like 60 dollar game you might want to even consider game pass for something like this it's 15 dollars a month and uh, you can stop at any time not that were promoted by game pass so this isn't an ad it is a potential way to demo the game you know if you want to just try it for a month or two and then you realize you don't like it you can always cancel game pass and and not pick it up again what about you seth what have you been playing well i've been playing a i why well, played a very appropriate game to our episode and i played street fighter 2 special champion edition for the sega genesis uh which was released back in 1993 and i was confused and i thought i was playing super street fighter 2 for the sega genesis not street fighter 2 special champion edition i really wanted to see zangief dance with russian president gorbachev 
But um, that doesn't happen in Special Champion Edition. That only happens in Super Street Fighter 2. But anyway, I beat Street Fighter 2 with Zangief by being Russia's greatest wrestler of all time. Nice. And I won't really talk more about it because, fun fact, this episode is entirely about Street Fighter. So if you wanted to hear more about my recently played, don't worry. We have an entire episode dedicated to my recently played. Yeah, stay tuned because we're going to we're going to get right into it. I did want to thank uh, one of our uh, listeners, uh, Ace, for writing into the podcast and requesting this particular episode, and we hope that you enjoy this episode, Ace. Thank you, Ace. This is a great topic. I'm surprised we actually haven't covered it before. So, I know we talked about Mortal Kombat, but we haven't talked about street fighter Uh, and i think we did talk about like fighting games a bit but i remember we brought it up when we were talking about unreleased games and we went over how one of the versions of street fighter 2 ended up getting leaked and then bootlegged and we got into a whole conversation about all the versions of street fighter 2 which we're going to get into that conversation again today but before we get started we'll talk about our memories with street fighter so seth do you want to go first talking about your memories of street fighter 2 or street fighter in general i mean more than just street fighter 2 yeah sure so my memories i have had recent memories of playing the game but also memories from a distant past when i was a child i went to a friend's house and they had a sega genesis and two games that they had on the sega genesis were nhl 95 and super street fighter 2 new challengers i think it's called they had that for the sega genesis i remember that it was specifically that version of street fighter because i remember the characters i specifically remember like dj was in it and fei long was in it and those characters do not exist in street fighter 2 special champion edition they only exist starting in super street fighter 2 the new challengers because they are the new challengers hence the name new challengers so that is the game that i remember playing first when it comes to playing street fighter and i really enjoyed the game i felt like it was a it's always been like a really fun game to play you know obviously with somebody else i always liked figuring out like the new special moves and i think that's part of the gimmick of the game as well is kind of trying to undercover special moves that everybody has i would say that my favorite characters in the game so if you ask me who my favorite character in street fighter right now is i would have have to say Zangief because he is Russia's ultimate wrestler. However, when I was a child, I would have probably said like Dalsham or something because he had stretchy arms. <laughs> and Dalsham was one of the first characters that I learned a lot of the movesets for. I feel like especially when you're a kid, when you discover movesets for a character, you end up playing that character more because you know more of the abilities. When I play as Dalsham, I could like teleport, I can blow fire, I can and obviously do all the stretchy limbs and the slide move i like that and i liked it as a kid so i would play that character a lot and people would get mad or e honda e honda had the 100 hand slaps oh yeah yeah that if you had a turbo button controller you could flip the turbo like we so we had like a turbo switch button and you could switch the turbo to on and then just hold down the punch button and he would like auto move into going doing the 100 hand slap where the thousand i think I think it's 100 hand, hand slaps and then Chung Lee has the thousand leg kicks or whatever. But yeah, so I, I also thought that was funny where you could just play as E Honda and hold down like the heavy punch key and then you can like slide across the stage doing your 100 hand slaps. People didn't like when that happened. So those are uh, those are my particular memories of playing them. 
Zach, what are your uh, memories of Street Fighter? My first memories of Street Fighter in any form comes from playing Super Street Fighter 2, the new challengers, also for the Sega Genesis. We actually got a copy that we got from a family friend who gave us a lot of their games at one point, and uh, we had a copy of this game. I remember playing it, but I don't remember being any good at it. I think like Seth, I also preferred playing as Dalsum because he had stretchy arms. I also liked playing as Vega because I thought he was cool because he had like knives on his hands yeah. like Shredder, Wolverine he's like a combination of um, Casey Jones and Wolverine yeah yeah exactly but I could never really do the moves I would just button mash and eventually sometimes pull off like one of his moves but I don't remember what any of his moves are called I think he can do like a twirly thing if he's in his home stage you can climb the stage yes yeah you can climb the stage that was cool yeah that's really kind of just what I remember about playing Super Street Fighter 2, the new challengers. So to get into it, we've been talking about a very specific Street Fighter game, Super Street Fighter 2, the new challengers. Or for some reason in my head, it's I think it's also Turbo. Or no, there is a Turbo version. There is a lot... It's, it's going to get real confusing really fast. That's what's going to happen. There is a lot of versions of Street Fighter, but they ultimately start with the number one Street Fighter. So the original Street Fighter has a pretty interesting history. For one thing, it's kind of hard to figure out who exactly worked on the game. The reason being was that everyone who worked on the project used combat-themed pseudonyms in the credits. Uh, what we do know is the game was directed by Takashi Nishiyami. Also on the project was Hiroshi Matsumoto, who came up with the initial planning of the game. Now, these two guys and their team worked for Capcom. Capcom was a a company originally founded in 1979 by Kenzu Shujimoto as a manufacturer and distributor of electronic games. At this point, it was under the name of IRM. Yeah, we briefly talked about Capcom when we talked about Resident Evil, but one thing we didn't mention was that their name actually comes from the words capsule computers, which is a cute term that they came up with to refer to their arcade machines. So when you played a Capcom arcade machine, you're playing a capsule computer, a Capcom. Capcom had early popularity due to games like 1942, Commando, and Ghost and Goblins. When it comes to Street Fighter, Takashi Nishiyami came up with the idea after he had worked on a game called Kung Fu Master for the company IREM. In Kung Fu Master, there are a number of boss fights. Nishiyami envisioned a game where you only fight in these boss fights, and there isn't any, like, sequences between these boss fights so he basically wanted to do like a boss rush mode after being hired by capcom nishiyami began work on the design plan for street fighter he was heavily inspired by popular manga and anime at that time he was so much inspired in fact that he actually borrowed the idea of an energy attack that he had seen in the anime series Space Battleship Yamato for the famous Hadouken move. Now, the game also pulled influence from earlier fighters like Yi Air Kung Fu, uh, which came out in 1985. And if you've ever played Yi Air Kung Fu, you can certainly see the similarities between that and Street Fighter. There's, um, you know, one player on one side of the screen, another player on the other side, and two health bars. It very much feels like almost like a prototype of what Street Fighter would become. So, to inspire the game designers for the story, they went to the 1973 martial arts film Enter the Dragon, as both that movie 
and Street Fighter involved an international fighting tournament with each character representing a different fighting style and nationality. And so you have like Vega, who's a Spanish bullfighter, and E. Honda, who's a Japanese sumo wrestler, and Zangief, the greatest Russian wrestler. So after development wrapped up with the Street Fighter game, both Matsumoto and Nishiyami would go to leave Capcom to work for their competitor, SNK, who we have yet to do an episode about, or many episodes about, because SNK have also made a lot of video games, as did yeah, yeah. Capcom. And they would actually go work on games such as uh, Fatal Fury and Art of Fighting. So now back to Street Fighter. It would be released to arcades in 1987, and then a port to the TurboGrafx CD would be released in 1988 called Fighting Street. Which I just don't know why they don't just call it Street Fighter. The game was brought over to the Amiga, the Amstrad, CPC, the Commodore 64, the Atari ST, and MS-DOS. So now we'll get into the numbers of a bit more later, but Street Fighter did alright. At least well enough that it warranted a sequel. The sequel will go on to do great things. The sequel began development partially because of a audience reaction to a different version of the Street Fighter cabinet. Now, there were two versions of the cabinet that were made. The original version used punching pads, which were pads that you had to physically punch on the cabinet in order to interact with the game. This was innovative, but also kind of dumb because something that i heard was that and this was just from like anecdotal stories i don't know how prevalent this was but from anecdotes i've heard people would go to the arcade even in the 80s and these pads would already be worn out so you would go and you'd punch the pad and you would hurt yourself it almost like a game within itself right it's you can really experience the game in yeah. a whole new level by yeah. drawing blood capcom made the smart decision and also developed a version that used buttons because they were like hey maybe people will play the game if they don't hurt themselves so they developed a six button version of the game which did again much better than the punching pad version now when capcom noticed that people were preferring the six button version they actually decided that it might be time to put in some thought into potentially doing a sequel and they decided that they were going to revive street fighter basically take the basic idea and improve it as much as they could so the team consisted of about 40 people and was produced by noritaka funimezo now the developers for the game decided that they weren't going to prioritize balance uh really they wanted to focus on art and sprite work the high quality animation that would eventually be in street fighter was also largely thanks to the hardware being used it was unique hardware that allowed for different characters to occupy different amounts of memory. So for example, if you take a character like Ryu, he only occupies 8 megabits of data. Zangief, however, occupies 12 megabits of data. This technique allowed for characters to have higher animation patterns and also allow for an overall increase in quality for this game. One of Street Fighter 2's most popular features was a combo system. Reportedly, this came about completely by accident. Funamizo, when he was working on the game, was doing some bug checks. And when he was doing a bug check, he realized that you could chain punches if you timed it precisely so that you can actually add a second or third hit 
in when you do your punch. He noticed that when you do this, you can even get it up to be like four or five. And I think he said at one point they got it at least eight combos if they because they timed it right. So he thought this was fun. Uh, even though it was a bug, he decided that it was probably going to be more interesting to leave in. And he was right as players found that it, if you got that perfect timing, you could get multiple hits and it made for a very different style of gameplay. To go into gameplay a little bit, the Street Fighter games are fighting games. In the game, in all of the Street Fighter games, you play as a character, which you often choose yourself, and you fight against a series of other characters who come from various regions of the world. And you are the winner if you finish best out of three rounds. Uh, the gameplay of the game consists of the, play of, of the player being located on one side of the screen and the opponent on the other. And this hasn't changed up until even the latest release of the Street Fighter, which was just a few years ago. So you one player starts on the left, one player starts on the right. And various button presses and directional presses on the, the joystick or the D-pad would determine where your character moves, as well as the special moves that you could perform. Uh, generally, the characters are locked in a two-dimensional plane of existence. They can go forwards, backwards, up and down. There are very few instances in interacting with the background. Uh, we talk about how Vega can actually climb the background. There are destructible elements that are in Street Fighter 2, where if you hit a character into a statue or a crate, it'll break. Though, if these buttons are pressed in the right direction, the character would perform a special move, such as Ryu's Hidoken or Fireball, is performed by pressing down quarter circle forward punch. And if you perform it correctly, the character will toss a blue ball of fire at their opponent. Hadouken! There was one where you can do a uh, Shoruken, which is the uppercut, which I believe is like uh, it's like forward circle like going towards the enemy instead of circle back and pushing punch. Shoryuken! I personally could never remember the special moves. However, I usually can do Hadoukens and I'm good at doing them in, and this is the stupidest thing, in Smash Brothers Ultimate, if you play as Ryu and you perform a Hadouken, like an actual using the, the method, Ryu will toss a Hadouken that is stronger than his like neutral B attack. Um, so if you press B, he'll throw a Hadouken, but it's, it's kind of just generic. If you actually do the move from Street Fighter, he'll toss a stronger version of the Hadouken, and it's kind of like a reward for people who know Street Fighter moves and are playing smash brothers so there's a there's a smash brothers pro tip for you learn some street fighter moves some of the special moves are easy and you just have to repeatedly tap a button over and over yes again. yeah 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 like ehan does 100 hand slaps which is why it's great when you're when you're button mashing in the first game you control a young japanese martial artist by the name of ryu ryu has a rival whose name is Ken. Fun fact about Ken. So in Street Fighter 2, they end up giving Ken the name Ken Masters. And the reason he is called Ken Masters is because when they were marketing the game, they were very worried about being sued by Mattel because Barbie's boyfriend is named Ken Carson. So they decided they were going to give Ken a last name for Street Fighter. So they called him Ken Masters. So he couldn't be confused with Barbie's Ken. Even though he's a, he is a blonde, blue-eyed kind of guy. It, 
it, it like it, it looks nothing like Barbie Ken. <laughs> I mean, if you cut Ken's hair a little bit, there we go. He, yeah, he could be. Give him a little bleaching. He's blonde. I thought he was brown haired. I don't know. Whatever. No, Ryu's brown hair. Ken and Guile are brown. No, I meant Ken blonde. the toy. I meant Ken the Barbie toy. Oh, <laughs> I just know what the fictional man on the TV is. But yeah, it, for for those who want to picture these characters, Ryu he he wears a like martial arts gi. He has dark hair, and Ken wears a usually like a red or an orange gi and has blonde hair. In Street Fighter 1, again, Ryu's rival is Ken. And something I actually wanted to include here is that when you, in the game, you, you primarily play as Ryu, but if your opponent, your, the second player plays as Ken and beats Ryu, they will then play the rest of the game as Ken. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, it is fun. So uh, there is a way to, I guess, play as Ken if you want. In the first game, you have a couple of challengers you have to go through. The first being Retsu, who is a Kempo instructor, Geki, a ninja, Joe, an American karate champion, Mike, a boxer, Lee, a Chinese boxing expert, Jen, a professional killer, Birdie, an English and wrestling boxing expert, and also like a bouncer for like a bar, Eagle, who is quote unquote a well dressed bodyguard, Adon, a deadly Muay Thai master, and finally, Sagat, the emperor of Muay Thai, who is the final boss in the game. Sagat looks like Sagat in all of the Street Fighters, and he has the he has like an eye patch. He is bald, and he is very muscular. And when he throws his weapon, he goes Taiga. <laughs> yeah, oh Sagat. Street Fighter Two changes up some of the lore, so Ken and Ryu go from being these bitter, bitter rivals to actually being best friends, who still sport a rivalry, but it's it's more of a like friendly rivalry. Like they're like brothers. They they argue with each other, but they love each other. Like Seth and my myself, we're That's brothers. Right. I don't think we're rivals. No. We don't have anything to rival about. Anyway. That's right. I always win. Now, in Street Fighter... (laughs) It's true. In Street Fighter 2, you can actually pick from other playable characters. So you can also play as E-Honda, who is a sumo wrestler from Japan. Blanca. Blanca's like... Looks like the Incredible Hulk. (laughs) He's like this green monster who's from Brazil. But... What, what I love is that the, the, the premise of Street Fighter doesn't change between Street Fighter and Street Fighter 2. It, it is a championship of fighters, all who fight differently. And you have, like, all these characters, like E-Honda and um, Zangief and Ken and Ryu, who all specialize in a different type of fighting style. But then you just have Blanca, who can make himself coursing through with electricity. And he has, like, the ability to throw himself as a cannonball at you. Like, I don't even even know what his fighting style is and i'm sure there's somebody who's like very angry that we are not aware of what's going on with blanca but i just think it's fun that in a world that's pretty much every other character is normal <laughs> well so there is actually a brazilian fighting style called capoeira but i'm 99 sure blanca does not do capoeira no, blanca, like blanca like scratches you blanca is is a is is great i love blanca he's just he looks like the incredible hulk and he electrocutes you <laughs> it's he is so different but he doesn't not fit in right yeah i mean he's because he's like you can't have street fighter without blanca also there's guile who's a u.s air force special forces operative his his fighting style is punching people <laughs> that's right and he's got the, the the flat top yeah he has a flat top like hairstyle chun li who's a chinese martial artist and interpol officer and then you got zangief the best character in the game a professional wrestler and fighter from the ussr uh and best friends with mikhail gorbachev and and uh, lastly, the final playable character is Dalsim, who is a fire-breathing yoga master from India. 
uh, probably not a super sensitive character, <laughs> like in terms of like political correctness. But uh, he's fun because he has stretchy arms. There are uh, four computer characters who are the four heavenly kings of Shadowloo, which are the big bad in uh, Street Fighter Two, and those are Balrog who is an American boxer, Vega, a Spanish bullfighter, Sagat, who's from the first game, <laughs> like, and is apparently emperor, <laughs> but works for the mysterious M. Bison, who is the leader of the criminal organization of the Shadowloos. They are in that order of importance to M. Bison. So Balrog is the lowest guy on the totem pole and Sagat is the second behind M. Bison. Being that he was an emperor in the previous game, that kind of feels like a downgrade to being like <laughs> lieutenant. <laughs> he went from being emperor to being M. Bison's like coffee guy. To be fair, guy. Sagat's only the emperor of Muay Thai, which is the combat style. So he wasn't, oh. like, a, he wasn't like a royal emperor. That'd be funny if he was a royal emperor. That'd be um, really funny and he like had to bump up to a glorified drug dealer who wears funny hats <laughs> that's it it's like the fall of sagat that'd be yeah some, some, that'd be some great fan fiction right there now what's actually fun is in japan balrog vega and M. bison all have their names swapped around in japan balrog is actually known as M. bison Vega is known as Balrog and M. Bison is known as Vega. And the reason for the swap was because there was a concern that the American boxer known as M. Bison may be easily confused with the real-life American boxer Mike Tyson. So, all the characters had to be swapped around. And the M is, some Street Fighter instances, the M stands for Master. Master Bison. I like to pretend the M still stands for Mike. Well, that's what they say in Japan, the M stands for Mike. <laughs> no, I know, but I like to pretend M. Bison in the U.S. is also just Mike Bison, but he's just a dude with a funny hat. <laughs> the hat for every occasion. <laughs> he has a hat for every occasion. For context of why we keep saying he has a funny hat, M. Bison looks like a, like, stereotypical military, like, <laughs> warlord. Like, he's got this, like, ridiculous crush cap military hat, this, like, red military fatigues, and he wears a cape. He looks so <laughs> which silly. He, which he throws in the beginning yes, of every Yes, he throws combat. his cape off. And one of his special moves is he comes swirling at you and he's covered in electricity as well. Like, the four heavenly kings of Shadowloo are some interesting... Vega has, like, as early described earlier, a mask, wolverine claws, and has, like, long hair and, like... Yeah. He's supposed yeah. to be very pretty and stuff like that. Yeah, he actually... And I then, think he wears his mask because he's so beautiful. Like, yeah, I think that's, that's like true. a plot point is he wears a mask because he doesn't want to distract his opponents. Balrog is just like a ripped dude with boxing gloves. <laughs> yeah. Like his shirt is ripped. <laughs> like he's just like a very muscular guy with boxing gloves. And I wouldn't say there's a lot to Balrog really beyond having a pretty cool name. Maybe he would bite people's ears off. I don't know. No, I think he has a move that like actually like... No, maybe that's Zangief does the biting. <laughs> no, Zangief throws you into his crotch and power slams you into the ground. No, Zangief also gra can grab you by your head and just bite you. Oh, yeah, he like... just eats you. <laughs> yeah, or he just, like, squeezes your head. Before we get into like the legacy and the numbers and stuff, and before we leave the actual characters, I want to touch upon Shang Long. So in the original release of Street Fighter, there was a mistranslation. 
that suggested a mysterious character was either hidden in the game or being alluded to. Basically, sometimes Ryu would say, you must defeat Shang Long to stand a chance. Shang Long in this instance is actually a mistranslation of his move, the Shoryuken. The actual translation should have read, if you cannot overcome the Shoryuken, you cannot win. But when the localization was happening, there was a mistake made and it was left in as Shang Long. Electronic Gaming Monthly, in their infinite wisdom, decided that they were going to capitalize on the potential rumors and this mistake by publishing a how-to guide on how to unlock Shang Long on April Fool's Day. And a lot of people took it seriously, despite the obvious indication that this was a joke, uh, including the fact that like the writers of the article were all puns and stuff like that. Like it was obviously fake, but people took it seriously to the point where Capcom would actually get involved in the sense by eventually adding characters, Akuma and later Goken, into the Street Fighter games. Uh, Akuma being probably the most directly related to Shenlong in terms of how to unlock him, and Goken being this like reference to the lore of Shenlong, which was Shang Long was supposed to be this like teacher to Ken and Ryu and he was their former master and stuff like that. Shang Long is also referenced by name in the comic book adaptation of Street Fighter from Malibu Comics uh, which sounds like something that Zack and Seth need to keep their eyes out for the next time we go comic hunting. Yeah for sure. I think that the April Fool's joke though did lead to Capcom wanting to do hidden characters though which yeah I think Capcom realized that it wasn't a bad idea to have hidden right. characters that were locked behind even even kind of like ridiculous standards of like you have to beat the game without taking any hits or something like that what that does is incentivizes players and these are arcade games I mean yes there were home console versions but if you wanted to unlock these characters you had to put in the money and Capcom was all about the money <laughs> so that's right. And we can, we can get to that money. The original Street Fighter arcade cabinet with the punching pads was not successful at all. It sold about a thousand units. They created the six button version and that ended up selling 50,000 units, which is significantly more than 1,000 units. So then they were like, this is an idea. Oh, people like buttons. Instead of bleeding at an arcade, they'd rather push a button. In Japan, it actually slowly climbed the charts, and by January 1988, it hit, actually hit number one in Japan's highest-grossing arcade cabinets, according to Game Machine. Uh, in the U.S., the game would only ever peak at the number 10 spot in December of 1987 and would go down from there. So it was much more popular in Japan than it was in the U.S., uh, but here comes Street Fighter 2. Street Fighter 2 would fare much better across all the releases of their the, of the game. And this game has been released from 1991 to 2017. They would ultimately ship 20,815,000 copies of the game. Up and up. that not bad at all. We're, we're that's a lot of money because each of those games did not ship for a dollar for sure. So 20,815,000 uh, was divided up among many different iterations of 
Street Fighter 2. The original Street Fighter 2 World Warrior moved 60,000 cabinets worldwide. The Street Fighter 2 Champion Edition that would come out in 92 moved 160,000 cabinets. Then Street Super Street Fighter 2 on the arcade moved an additional 100,000 cabinets. The SNES would see a combined movement of 12.4 million units, of which 6.3 was the Street Fighter 2 The World Warrior, another 4.1 of Street Fighter 2 Turbo, and Super Street Fighter 2 would have sold 2 million units. On top of that, it was released on the Sega Genesis. There would be another 1.6 million units moved on the Sega Genesis of combined Street Fighter 2 Plus and the Special Champions Edition, so the one that Zach and I owned and the uh, one that we did not own. And then from 2006 to 2017, they would move 6.4 million units of Street Fighter 2 through the PSP, the PS3 and 360, the Switch and the SNES Classic. 5,280,000 units would be shipped for the Super NES Classic Edition of Street Fighter 2, which ultimately says that nostalgia sells. As you can tell from these numbers, and the fact that sequels and such were made, Street Fighter was massive. The second game especially was massive. So you might have heard Seth and I refer to different versions of Street Fighter 2. Well, let's talk about those versions now, should we? Street Fighter 2, the original Street Fighter 2, was soon followed up by Street Fighter 2 Champion Edition. This version was stylized in the arcades as Street Fighter 2 Dash. And by Dash, I mean there's this massive apostrophe on the title screen. So it's like Street Fighter 2 apostrophe, but you say Street Fighter 2 Dash. This was launched in arcades in 1992 and also ported to many home consoles such as the Sega Genesis. The main change was that it made the four Heavenly Kings of Shadaloo now playable characters. It also added mirror matches. So now you could actually fight an opponent playing as the same character as yourself. You could have Ryu versus Ryu. Ken versus Ken. Zangief versus Zangief. Uh, it also improved fighting techniques and had balances for all the characters, specifically for competitive play. Because Capcom was realizing that people were playing this game competitively, and they wanted to capitalize on that. After Champion Edition was released, pirates from, uh, I believe, people don't actually know where exactly the pirates were, or were from or operating out of. A lot of sources seem to indicate Taiwan. Created Street Fighter 2 Dash Rainbow Edition. And they sold this version illegally to arcades as a conversion kit. Now, this version allowed for characters to perform special moves midair and was also a bit faster, and some people call it a bit more um, hectic. Now, because of this pirated version, Capcom realized that people wanted the game to be faster. So they created Street Fighter II Turbo Hyper Fighting, which released in 1992 and was an enhancement kit. Uh, this added faster playing speed, and it also improved balances. Following this was Super Street Fighter to the new challengers in 1993. This introduced Fei Long, a Hong Kong movie star, Cammy, a 19-year-old female special forces agent, DJ, a musician from Jamaica, and T-Hawk, a Native American warrior from Mexico. Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo released the following year in 1994. 
this version introduced a further new gameplay mechanic such as super combos and air combos and also introduced the secret character of Akuma who was based on the Shang Long rumor. You could play as old Ryo, old Saget, also Akuma. Uh, fun fact, Akuma is banned from any tournament play. <laughs> I'm not surprised because he's a broken character. He has a Hydukin that pretty much like takes away like 20% of the person's life and also just like can spam it so that they immediately die. Sounds like a character I would like to play. After this, Hyper Street Fighter 2 the Anniversary Edition came out in 2003 in both the arcades and on the PlayStation 2. This version was designed to commemorate the 15th anniversary of the series and is a modified port of Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo. Following this in 2008, an HD version of the game was released called Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo HD Remix, which also released on the Xbox Live Arcade and the PlayStation Store. And finally, Ultra Street Fighter 2 The Final Challengers came out in 2017 for the Nintendo Switch, and it's an updated version of Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo with high definition art and improved mechanics. I think you can also switch to the pixel art of the style of the original game. But beyond all of these versions, we also received various sequels. Uh, the first being Street Fighter Alpha, which spawned its own series of games in 1995. Then they went back to the numbers, and then there was Street Fighter 3 in 1997, Street Fighter 4 in 2008, and Street Fighter 5 in 2016. There have also been various versions of Street Fighter 3 and Street Fighter 4, because there's a lot of Street Fighters out there. And boy howdy, if you think it stops there, you are wrong. The series has been a multimedia franchise and spin-offs, crossovers, animated films, animated shows, live-action films, comics, and more. There were even video game adaptations of the movie, which look a lot like Mortal Kombat, except without the blood. Yeah, yeah, they do. With uh, There's like, the game, the Street Fighter, the movie, releasing in arcades in 1995, and on home console that same year. Though the console version is an entirely different game, and is not a port of the arcade. But what's nice is throughout all of these Street Fighters, the Hadouken and the Tiger all sound the same. Now, and basically, at the end of the what we're saying is Street Fighter is a huge universe. Uh, we could keep talking about it and go into the specific characters. They, too, like Mortal Kombat added more and more characters because why not? Street Fighter also crossed over with other Capcom franchises, including Tekken. And they I think they're in Marvel versus Capcom. Yeah, well, so originally it was, uh, I think, Marvel versus Street Fighter, and then it became Marvel versus Capcom. Marvel versus Street Fighter, Marvel versus Capcom, Street Fighter versus uh, Tekken. There's a uh, Mega Man X Street Fighter where you play as Mega Man, and instead of Robot Masters, you fight Street Fighter characters. Yeah, they, Cap, <laughs> it's Cap, Capcom. You could you can buy little diecast figures of the Street Fighter characters. Pretty much, you can you can if you have a Street Fighter character that you like, you can have it in every medium possible. But I think that's enough of Street Fighter for now. Um, maybe we'll come back and visit Street Fighter later. And thank you, Ace, for writing in to let us know about the uh, Street Fighter. We will 
put your name into the raffle, and we'll see if you win. We will, uh, at this time, uh, move on to our Byway Pass as we wrap up this episode. So, as you all know, uh, the Byway Pass is a little different. I describe a game to Zach. He doesn't know what game I'm going to describe. I'll let him know the name of the game. He will look it up, and he will decide whether he wants to buy, wait, or pass on it. And then he will do the reverse for me. And maybe one day we'll get the same exact game. Zach. I'm going to go first. All right. So this game actually is already out, came out back on October 28th. So it's available for purchase and you'll have to, you're going to be on a train, but you do have to run away from a weirdo and solve puzzles and perhaps become friends with those who have passed and make sure that you do not pass as well. I'm interested. The game is called Subway Midnight. And now we're going to cut away and Zach will spend some time looking the game up. And we're back. So this game looks interesting. Subway Midnight. It's being developed by uh, Bubby Darkstar and published by Agro Crab. In this game, it looks like you're, it's like, I don't even know. Like, it's like, like an adventure game, but a horror game. And it's like very psychedelic. I don't know. I like psychological horror, which this appears to be. I think psychedelic art style in games can be something to certainly explore. However, this game might be a little much for me. Not in terms of horror, just in terms of like, I, I get a headache just from watching the trailer i might put this down as a pass but it does have very positive reviews so maybe i'm gonna read through some of the reviews maybe i'll watch like a no spoiler youtube review or something like that but for now i'm gonna put it down as a pass but it does look like an interesting game for sure are you ready for your game my ears are listening so in this game seth you are uh leading a team of four individuals of dubious loyalty these uh individuals mostly obey orders and it's inspired by classic crpg games are you interested sure what's the name of the game paranoia happiness is mandatory now we're gonna cut away and i'll do some research All right, and we're back. Uh, so I don't know if Zachary knew this when he saw this, but this is actually based on the table, the pen and paper game Paranoia, which is a game that is fun. Um, you play, everyone plays as... They you all work for this computer. So you're all supposed to work together on solving a problem. And it could be a very simple problem. Like you need to go get something. And everyone has their own agenda. It's so you're paranoid about everyone else with you. And there's this thing called the computer that is like kind of like the overmind kind of thing. It's just like the computer knows everything. And uh, you want to like serve the computer, but not everybody wants to serve the computer. And there's all sorts of of like different everyone's got like a secret little agenda to themselves to win the game um for themselves so i think them taking paranoia the tabletop game and translating it to a pc game is 
fascinating. I am actually very excited to see that because I'm a big fan of the tabletop game Paranoia. Um, I think that's that it's a lot of fun. It's a really good game to like one shot and be done with it in like a, literally like a four hour session or something like that. You could play extended. I don't, I've only played the game a couple of times in my life and they've always been short one shots. But yeah, so I'm I'm actually, I'll probably buy this if it com- when it comes out. So yeah, Paranoia, happiness is mandatory. And I know that uh, some people who listen to this podcast may be interested in this game as well if they listen to this particular episode. That's going to be it. To, to wrap everything up, uh, you can find us and listen to us on any podcasting app available. You can contact us by sending us an email at classicgamingbrothers at gmail.com. You can also find us on social medias. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch are all Classic Gaming Brothers. Our Twitter is CG Brothers Pod. Give us a follow. If you want to support the pod, give us a rating on iTunes or on whatever app listening app that you listen to that really helps with uh driving people to find the episodes which then drive more listeners we also have a website you can check us out on which is classicgamingbrothers.com and uh that's it i don't zach did i forget anything don't play games like my brother and don't play games like my brother i've been zach and i've been seth and we've been the classic gaming brothers that's Right. right. Uh, one game we didn't talk about was Street Fighter 2010, the final fight for the NES. Uh, this is a side-scrolling action platform game where you fight robots and shoot lasers out of your hands. Do you say, Tiger! Tiger!